Welcome to CooperCast episode 86. This is your host, Al's Horsefly, John Sachs. In this sixth episode of Black and White and Rock and Roll, we actually talk about Al's early and ongoing fascination with jazz, going to see Horace Silver, Al's father's collection of 78s, and Pee Wee Marquette, the little person that was MC at Birdland for years. The theme is about the interplay of black music, white music, the black world, the white world. Now, you were also very, very interested in jazz, even though you didn't do a lot of jazz in your career, but you dug it and you went to see it as a kid. Now, jazz... I went to see it from about age 14 on. Now, jazz is a world that jazz was originally all black music, and it was taken up by white people. I went to see mostly black people. Now, yeah, but not Maynard Ferguson was white. Yes. Right. But that was rare. That was rare, okay. But there's another example. I, I don't think... I mean, I, my two favorite acts were Horace Silver mm. and Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers. Okay. And also Cannonball Adderley. Yeah. And every time they would play, which was a lot, yeah. <clears throat> and the place they played was Birdland, right, in Manhattan. Yeah, and I'd go, I'd go to Birdland because you could get into Birdland if you were underage. You said they had a special section for underage without booze. Yes, but had a great view of the stage. Yes, it was the best seats in the house. That's right. the great thing about it. Yeah. So after I was old enough to drink, yeah, I still said I wasn't. Right. It's very cool that they let underage people in. Oh, it was unbelievable. So I started going there at age 14. Right. And I never stopped. Now let me ask you this. When you were a teenager, yeah. and you're going to Birdland to see black jazz groups, Cannonball Adderley, who was in the audience? Was it white folks or black folks or a mix? A mix. It was a mix, okay. And they had um, a black midget MC. Seriously? I used to know his name, but I can't remember it now because I'm too old. Wow. And he had a high voice. Right. And so on everything that's live at Birdland, yeah. he intros all the acts. Right. Pee Wee Marquette. Was his name. Okay. M-A-R-Q-U-E-T-T-E. Wow. Why it is... And he was very famous because he was always the MC. Right. So he was up on stage at least four times a night. Right. He would introduce the band and chase the band and then bring on the next act and like that. And he was a, a big part. And then... For some reason, he didn't work there anymore, hmm. but he was the doorman at um, a restaurant like a block down. So he lost his gig as uh, MC at Birdland somehow. Yeah, and he uh, and then they didn't they didn't have anyone on stage that did it from off stage. Uh, the announcing. I see. But for many, many years, he was there. Let me ask you this. Do you 
you probably don't remember this specifically, but do you think that if a white band like Maynard Ferguson came to Birdland, was the audience about the same black-white mix as it was? For probably black, not. Probably more white folks came to see a white band. Yeah, well, but, but for some reason he didn't play um, Birdland. Oh, he didn't? No. Oh, okay. He played the Metropole. Was his, was his <clears throat> band mixed or was it all white? It was mixed, but it was pretty white. Pretty white. See, the, the, again, I, I feel like the white guys that sort of made it really big in the jazz world, I don't think that their intention was to displace the black guys. They just, no, no, they just played jazz. They just played jazz. It's just like rock and roll. Right, and a natural outcome was that white people felt more comfortable going to see white guys, and so they ended up selling a lot more records because there's a lot more white people. Well, I went to um, Randall's Island Jazz Festival mm. once. Once. And I went with um, a bunch of my friends at the time who were all musicians. And they were older than me. Mm. But it was an uh, unbelievable bill. Yeah. Because it was a pain in the ass to go to Randall's Island. Mm-hmm. I think you had to go on a boat. Yeah. So we went, and and we were all uh, astute musicians. Yeah. And John Coltrane was the headliner. Sure. But the, uh, and the MCs were uh, Lambert Hendricks and Russ. Do you know of them? I know the name. Well, they were singers. Right. Two guys, uh, a white guy, a black guy, and a white girl. Okay. And the, the girl was very beautiful, but it's just, but they were great singers. They were jazz singers. Right. They had a, a big hit with um, Every morning, find me morning. Yes, Lord, because of all the trouble I've seen. Yes, Lord, which was a big jazz tune. Right. And they put words to it. Ah, okay. And they were, you know, considered pretty hip. Yeah, yeah. And and they were great singers, and they sang scat. Yep. You know, really good. Yep. I'm, I'm, matter of fact, probably three of the greatest scat singers there ever were in the history of jazz music. Mm. And they were big. They yeah. were huge. But now... I had never seen them live. And, yeah. and, and they were the MCs. My father didn't know who the fuck any of those big bands were. Who did he listen to? He wasn't an interesting people. Bessie Smith. Okay. And like that. So he had a good record collection. I still have it, 78s, mm. downstairs. So I, I learned a bit from his record collection. Yeah. And it was surprising right. that I did. From age 14 on, I went to see jazz. Yes. A lot. Yeah. And I, and I learned so much, and I listened to... I like the the blues-oriented jazz the best. Who's a good example of that? Um, Horace Silver. Okay. He was a great piano player, and and he was uh, half black and half uh, some other color thing. Yeah. And he wore his hair straight back like this. Yeah. And when he played... It came down into his face and covered his face. Yeah. And he was a furious piano player. He played 
very hard and he played very bluesy and yeah. and he was one of my heroes because he was such a great piano player and he played blues. Did you see him at Birdland? Oh, many times. Yeah. And and because I was young, I could sit in the first row. Yeah. And it was unbelievable. Yeah. There was Horace playing with his hair down in his face. Mm. And it was the greatest thing I ever saw. Mm. I mean, it made uh, Jerry Lewis look like garbage. <laughs> wow. It might have been where Jerry Lewis got it from. Really? Yeah. If I thought that he was hip enough to listen to that. Yeah. So Horace was a, a big influence on me, and he played blues. Yeah. Yeah. And and he wrote a lot of tunes that were doable. Was his a strictly instrumental group? Did he have a yes. singer? Yes. No, there were no singers in these bands. Right. M mostly. Yeah. They were uh, uh, piano, bass, drums, sax, and trumpet, usually. Okay. The quintets. Yeah, not a big band by any means. It was small. No, no, not at all. Not just, there okay. were uh, quintets or sextets. Okay. It was great. Now, outside of the piano, the lead would have been carried by the sax? No, the sax and the, uh, and the trumpet okay. would play the themes of the songs. Yeah. And then, like with Horace, he'd wait to take the last solo because he was the star. Yeah. Artists. And also, and and you know, people t came to see him, yeah, because he was such a a bluesy, fantastic piano player and composer. Right. The hmm. stuff he wrote was fantastic. This has been Coopercast episode eighty six, brought to you by Old Seventy Eights. Submit questions for Al at alcooper.com on the Coopercast page.